about Disney animated film. I'm your host, Brooke. I'm your other host, Chase. And, uh... We're watching a movie. We are watching a movie. Were you Sorry, pausing because we didn't discuss an intro? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Do we want to try that again? We can try it again. Guys, I'm having a mouse problem. I need to, like... I'm not. This is terrible. No, that's a bad <laughs> bit. That's a bad bit. <laughs> I think the bit is just that we don't know how to do an intro. Mm -hmm. I think that's the bit. <laughs> or the real, you know what? Or here's one. Here's one. We thought that we had killed all the rats in our garage when my dad went and fixed the car that's out in our, at, that was on the side of our house forever and he cleared out the rat's nest. He go he goes into the garage the other day to open it up, opens the door. Boom! And he, like, yells. I'm like, oh, gosh, gosh, what's happened? He's like, no, I saw another rat. I thought oh, they were all gone. Oh, no. Oh, I don't like that. Um, I don't like, you know what? I don't mind rats in a pet store. Mm -hmm. But I don't like rats in the wild. Yes, we have had pet rats. Pet rats are delightful. Love pet rats. They're so cute. Um, mm -hmm. But in the wild? Not so much. No, they're, they're, they're too big. They all carry the plague. Every single one of them. <laughs> they all carry the plague, and my cat will not kill them. Sushi, what do you keep her around for? <laughs> Love and affection, I guess. <laughs> well, that, well, then I'm double. Well, then I'm double screwed. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, we um, at least blue will kill. She kills possums. Mm -hmm. um, well, sushi will. Um, when she first moved in, and she was only allowed in my bedroom, so the only way she had in and out of the house was my window. She would bring in, um, she was, she would bring me, um, like, she would bring, leave birds outside my window. Um, she brought in lizards several times, and they weren't always dead. Yeah, my cats did that a lot. I'd find them in my fabric. And then, oh gosh, and yeah. then Sushi has killed two, have you seen, like, the big, like, turtle dove kind of pigeons? Yeah. She's killed Morning two of those. those. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Um, she's a hunter. Yes, she is. But she's also an old lady. <laughs> she's not interested in rats. Yeah, I guess not. Um, so, in case you didn't see our title, we're watching Great Mouse Detective today. We are. I guess we should hire some Basil of Baker Street to get rid of all of your rats. Mm -hmm. um, well, yeah, so, um, Great Mouse Detective is, what's the time? We're in the 80s still. Um, yeah. 83 or 4, I want to say. Mm, I think we're later than that. Are we? Because Little Mermaid's 89. We got three more movies to do. Oh, yeah. For um, that. 86. 86. You were right. It is later. All right. So, Great Mouse Detective, 1986. Um, that's going to be our film for the day. When was the last time you watched it? Uh, I probably watched it when I did my college watch through mm -hmm. of all of them. Mm -hmm. Um, but this was not one I owned as a kid. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd seen it, I think, at least pieces of it, mm -hmm. um, as a kid, because friends had it. Mm -hmm. But I don't know that, other than my college watch through that I don't remember, I don't know that I've ever seen it all the way through. Um, because mm -hmm. I do remember a scene that scared me mm -hmm. when I was a kid. So, um, when was me, the last time you watched it? Um, I think I, most recent, I know I watched it in college, maybe a little more recently, um, this was one that we had, and when I was a ba when I was little, little, like, or even a baby, my mom would put it on, and, like, this was the one that over and over and over again. My mom tells stories about me bouncing to that, to that opening music Aww. as a baby, but when, as, as, when I got a little bit older, there were a couple of moments that really, really scared me, and so, like, I would, like, literally hide 
or like I would have to run out of the run out of the room if I wanted to keep watching the rest of the movie. A lot of times I just give up <laughs> on the movie. Um, but you know, it's fine now. Actually, I told my dad what we were watching today. He's like, "Oh, are you gonna need help? Or do you, like, do you need somebody to hold your hand?" Or... <laughs> yeah, I think um, no spoilers. I think this is gonna be a recurring theme of our '80s films. Is like mm-hmm. it was scary for kids, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, which will be interesting um, to kind of talk about when we do actually watch this movie and then the next movie. Um, but yeah, I guess it's really always since like we don't really have any memories of it like that strongly to talk I mean, about beforehand. No, I I like those are or you I, remember mm-hmm. more than I do, obviously. Oh yeah. Um mm-hmm. we should just go watch Let's it. Let's go watch it. Bye. before we watched it that it's one of my favorite Sherlock Holmes adaptions. It's still one of my favorite Sherlock Holmes adaptions, I think. Mm-hmm. I really like it. Mm-hmm. It's cute. What about you? I I still really like it. Yeah. <laughs> Did you uh, get the, hit with all that nostalgia yes. feel? Yeah. Not that not that being scared part, the parts that I would be scared as a child, but I understand that it actually it's a lot scarier than I remembered. Like mm. I only remember being scared by those little like are we sure this is for children? <laughs> this one scared me the way, like, from what I remember, it scared me the way Pinocchio scared me. Mm-hmm. Um, although I prefer this story a lot mm-hmm. more than Pinocchio. <laughs> um, I did remember, though, this is a dumb thing, but it's very early in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And if you want to know what I was like as a child, mm-hmm. I remembered... <laughs> As we were watching it, not only did, like, Radigan scare me, but the ballerina wind-up doll toy, mm. I hated it, because little, I don't know, 10-ish year old me was like, I don't understand how the physics of that thing work. <laughs> this makes no sense. If it's a wind-up toy with gears, why does it move so fluidly? <laughs> Or if you can make animatronics to move fluidly, why is your queen wind-up toy so ridiculously robotic? This is dumb, and I don't like it. Uh, so that was what I remembered when the film started. That it's like, is... oh, that's also why I didn't like this film as a kid. That is, um, that's what, exactly what you described as one reason that, um... It is difficult to watch TV with a certain minor in my family. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's weird. Like, I don't know. I was always bothered by little things when Mm -hmm. I was a kid, though. Um, Do we want to start with background or end with background? Let's start with background. So this film came out in 86, like we said. Um, Some great voices Mm -hmm. in this film, such as Vincent Price, who Mm -hmm. we talked about a few weeks ago. Um, and, um, it's a, it's the first, um, feature film, animated feature film to mix CG and traditional animation. Yes, so we talked about how Black Cauldron had computer-generated images, but this is one of the first ones where we had a full computer-generated background, um, the clock tower was generated Mm -hmm. with wireframe CGI, Mm -hmm. so essentially it drew the clock tower in computers, um, and then they animated 
over it. Mm-hmm. Um, just new, as far as I can tell. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, like, this film was made in a year. The animation team completed it mm-hmm. start to finish in a year, which is unbelievable. And mm-hmm. certainly unheard of for the time. And they could not have done it without computers. Yeah. Um, yeah, they weren't... <laughs> when Black Cauldron didn't do well, this film lost a lot of support. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, like, saved the studio. Mm-hmm. Um, so much that some people consider this the start of the Renaissance over uh, Little Mermaid, but I'd still argue Little Mermaid's the start mm-hmm. of the Renaissance for a host of other reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we've talked about the different things that characterize Disney's eras, right? So, like, mm-hmm. the Golden Age is the Walt era, um, and then the Silver Age is the post-Walt era, and then the Dark Ages, or the... Well, the Dark Ages, right? There's not another term for that. Mm-hmm. That would be th- this era. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and there are clear, stark differences, I think, for most of them, um, in, like, animation mm-hmm. quality, um, storytelling mechanics, mm-hmm. style. Um, and I think that, like, Little Mermaid's a bigger break from this flow. Um, yeah. But I get, like, like this film, financially, fits more into Renaissance category than yes. Black Cauldron category. Um, I can see that. Yeah. Um, we got score and songs by Henry Mancini, um, who is best known for doing the music for Breakfast at Tiffany's and writing the, the theme song for the Pink Panther. Oh, wow. So mm-hmm. that's quite a difference in career mm-hmm. um the music in this film was good i really enjoyed it yeah um did he also that he didn't compose the songs he wrote two of the he three songs two of the three songs okay mm-hmm. wow very cool mm-hmm. um it's nice to have songs again because black cauldron didn't have mm-hmm. any and i wish it had mm-hmm. um i would like black cauldron more if there was music yep. <laughs> like the score for black cauldron phenomenal but mm-hmm. Yeah. just want to sing along sometimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, um, and then um, the other background things that I have is um, I feel like it'd be better to talk about them as we talk about them. Sure. Uh, we should mention this is a book series. Um, mm-hmm. So it's not just that Disney sat down to do a parody of Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. Um, Disney, uh, many, 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 many years prior to this film, purchased the writes to the book series Basil of Baker Street, mm-hmm. which is a parody of Sherlock Holmes. Mm-hmm. Um, so instead of Sherlock, it's Basil. Instead of Watson, it's Dawson. Instead of Mrs. Hudson, it's Mrs. Judson. <laughs> and instead of Moriarty, it's Radigan. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's it for references, yeah. right? Um I mean, there are a few, but like I said, we can get them. We can we'll get there. Sure, we get there. but like direct character parallels. Oh yeah, um, mm-hmm. that pretty much sums it up. Yep. Um, I didn't notice in the book though, but I thought this is interesting in the film that the film is happening parallel to Sherlock and Watson actually happening. Um, like Sherlock and Watson do mm-hmm. things in the background of these mice, which I thought was really funny, and I yeah. wondered if that was in the books. It'd be funny if it was. Well, and um, actually, the the one the one bit where we have um, Sherlock and Watson, we see their silhouettes and hear their voices. Mm-hmm. They were using archive audio of Basil Rathbone and Laurie Maine as as Sherlock and Watson because yeah, they were the they were the best known 
Sherlock and Watson of the time. Yeah, and Disney, like, on one hand wanted to reference them, but also worked very hard to make mm-hmm. Basil and Dawson distinct from mm-hmm. the popular Sherlock of the mm-hmm. time. Um, although, which makes me laugh really hard, because I feel like if I were to make Benedict Cumberbatch a mouse, I would do Basil of Baker Street. <laughs> like, that's what his character design would look like. Like, I almost feel like Sherlock, BBC Sherlock, is in a weird way modeled after Basil. It doesn't help that, like, he's designed not only with, like, the sharp mouse face Mm -hmm. that so clearly mirrors Benedict Cumberbatch's cheekbones, but he has, like, those big ties Mm -hmm. that look like scarves in his Mm -hmm. coat, and it feels so much, like... The modern and, ABC design. And, and Dawson's got the sandy, the sandy hair in his mustache and um, eyebrows. Like I don't, yeah. I don't believe in Martin Freeman mustache Watson. <laughs> <laughs> that one never happens. No, I'm just saying, like the hair color. Yes, yes, the hair color. <laughs> no. Did you get that far in Sherlock? No. To where? Yeah, it wasn't great. It sounds like it was bad. It I think great. I got to. I think after season three, I was like, okay, I'm done here. Call yeah, me, uh, after call, Reichenbach Falls. That was about the Yeah, it's out. like, yeah, okay, yeah, call me after, call me when you get somebody who knows how to write a story. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, those are some harsh, harsh words. Am uh, I wrong? <laughs> not entirely, I don't think. <laughs> um, talk about we, we, Sherlock adaptions all day. Yes. <laughs> go back and forth. Um, so I think that we're ready to talk story. Um, yes. So instead of meeting Basil, we actually are introduced to the caper first, mm-hmm. as many crime shows begin. Mm-hmm. And the caper is a kidnapped toy maker. Mm-hmm. So we have Hiram Flaversham and his daughter Olivia in London. They're extremely Scottish, though. Yes. Um, the guy who does the dad, uh, mm-hmm. Flaversham, is mm-hmm. actually Scrooge McDuck's mm-hmm. voice. Yeah. So. And part of me was like, when I was listening to the accents, I'm like, wait, did they actually get a little Scottish girl? Because a, a little ki- it was clearly a little kid voice, and mm-hmm. a little kid voice wouldn't be able to do that good of a Scottish accent. And I looked it up, there is one, and um, yeah, it's her only acting credit, is doing Aww. the voice of Olivia. She did a great job. She did such a great job. She was very, very cute. Um, mm-hmm. An interesting note, Olivia's character design was on one like originally created as like a love interest um mm-hmm. she was like an adult mouse mm-hmm. and she was like a love interest for basil slash mm-hmm. maybe watson mm-hmm. and they just were like very early on they went no we wanted to be like an entry point for kids good call. we want to be more sympathetic good call good call yeah i thought that was nice i mean i wish there was a mouse irene adler running around that would make me really happy mm-hmm. um <laughs> but i like that olivia is a little girl it was mm-hmm. very cute yeah um Flaversham is giving Olivia a birthday present. It's the aforementioned animatronic. The doll that doesn't work in the realm of physics? Yeah. Well, because it starts out like a flower, and then you wind it up, and then it's a ballerina. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a fine concept. It just, I couldn't and wrap it, my brain around it as a kid. And it just shows us that he's a really gifted toy maker. Like, he knows yeah. what he's doing. Yeah. And then we've got the bat walking over, and he's got the, you know, you got the step drag, the step mm-hmm. drag of a peg leg, and... It was a very, very kind of cool villain introduction, mm-hmm. especially for, like, a comical sidekick. Yeah. He got a, excuse me, he got a lot of, um, dramatic moments that are normally reserved for the villain. Yeah, no, Fidget is, he, he gets a lot to do. Yeah. And, um, he tries the door... Um, Olivia's 
put in the cupboard to hide. He bursts through the window and he's got like this, you know, like this evil smile thing mm-hmm. and takes up the whole screen. That is what, that is what got me as He a does kid. that like three times we get like the close up on the scary bat face and mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, this is... Yeah, this is not as terrifying, mm-hmm. I think, as the Black Cauldron mm-hmm. with, like, the blood and the skeletons, mm-hmm. but it's a jump scare, certainly. Oh, yeah. Um, and it, it, yeah, if I were, like, five or six, I would not be happy. hmm I mean, I didn't even like Monstro, so I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we then run into Watson, who's doing the, sorry, Dawson, <laughs> who's <laughs> doing the classic Watson narration. Yeah. Um voiceover. Yeah, of the, like, how I met Sherlock Holmes, the greatest mind I've ever met. How's my British accent? Would you like a spot of tea? It's the only thing I know how to say in British. (laughs) Okay, Lynn. I think I'm a little bit better than Lin-Manuel Miranda's British accent. And he's doing a Cockney accent, which is a very different kind of British accent. It is a little better. Cockney accent's way over here, mate. This is my Cockney accent. (laughs) You wanna go for a ride on our motorbikes that we have in London? Sydney. <laughs> Some motocross. That was not British. Nope, I don't nope, know what I did there. Nope. That, you went, went Australian and then it went somewhere else. <laughs> uh, anyway, so Dawson is doing a lovely narration, which it's very cute because like we see the carriage mm-hmm. with what you imagine is Watson, mm-hmm. and then it like zooms down under the carriage to the little mouse mm-hmm. Dawson. Mm-hmm. It's very, very, very cute. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they do this many times, and I love that Yeah, so I think that's the thing that I really loved as a kid about this movie, because, like, listen, I'm, I'm not super different from who I am as a kid, but I was, believe it or not, more pretentious as a child. <laughs> um, and I loved that it was a reference to Sherlock Holmes. Like, I thought that was the coolest thing when I was a kid, um, even if I didn't like mostly Radigan, um, or the doll that didn't work. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I still love those little Sherlock references. Yeah. It's so fun. Um, but he doesn't find Basil right away. He finds Olivia, mm-hmm. um, who is sitting on a box called liver medicine, mm-hmm. which is a very, very cute, uh, stylistic choice because it's also very 1897 medicine. Mm-hmm. I've been listening to Sawbones mm-hmm. recently, and I'm like, oh, that liver medicine's probably made of mercury. Mm-hmm. Lovely. But it was just this cool, they did a really good mm-hmm. job with, like, the setting the time period. Yeah. Um, I thought that was cool. So. And then Olivia's crying. Why are you crying? I've lost my dad. I'm trying to find, and now I'm lost. I'm trying to find Basil at Baker Street. Can you help me? And Dawson's like, uh, I actually know. He's like pretty, like, he's a little reluctant. He's a tiny bit reluctant, but, but not, not really. <laughs> he's yeah, instant he's, dad. Yeah, he is instant dad here. And he's like, well, I don't know about Basil, but I do remember where Baker Street is. Let's yeah. go. And it was very, very sweet. And mm-hmm. so then they find. Um, so they go to two two one and a half Baker Street. <laughs> so cute. Um, and we can actually see Sherlock Holmes above Basil's residence yeah. playing the violin, mm-hmm. as he's famously known for. Mm-hmm. Um, and Mrs. Judson lets them in. 
uh, which was very cute. Mm-hmm. She's instant mom. I think yeah. I wrote a note um, about her. Mrs. Potts, is that you? <laughs> I could see that. Yeah. It was literally like, oh, coming out of the cold, let me get you some tea. And I was like, this is almost word for word what yeah. Mrs. Potts said. I mean, and I don't know. You could say that there are some similarities in character design as much as a mouse in a teapot can have similar character designs. You know, I mean, it's the nice round lady with mm-hmm. the spectacles and mm-hmm. the wide smile yeah. and the bustling. And, yeah, it's a, it's a character trope and it's evident mm-hmm. that it crosses over. Um, yeah. And um, we get settled in and um, I was like, well, you know, Basil's not in right now, but, and so we kind of are looking around and there's this Rube Goldberg chemistry set. And then there's a Rube Goldberg machine testing uh, boot marks on paper. (laughs) Rube Goldberg is a common theme in this film. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But then Basil does come home. It's a little yikes. It's a little bit yikes. Yeah, well... It's, it's a yikes. <laughs> it's a yikes. It's not a long yikes. Um, but it's he's, a brief... It's a racist Chinese costume. Yeah. Um, Basil is wearing... I mean, technically he's wearing a mask, not makeup, but it doesn't really make it better. No, because you've got... Like, the eyes are looking different directions. They have the Fu Manchu. Yeah. And he's wearing, like, the sort of red robe. The like, the Mandarin hat. collar. Yeah. yeah it's, it's not great. It's not great. Um, he takes out, he's like, oh, I'm Basil of Baker Street. Also, um, no, we'll get to it later. Okay. I did like the gag when he um, lets the air out of the suit. Mm-hmm. That was actually really cute, and it, like, deflates into the very, very skinny um, Basil mm-hmm. uh, that he is. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, that was that was a cute gag, but obviously not worth mm-hmm. the yikes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they could have been they could have done something different to get to the gag. Yeah, I mean he could have come in wearing anything else. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are other things that he shouldn't have come in wearing, mm-hmm. lots of things, but also he could come in like in almost anything else. Mm-hmm. And you still could have had the cool air deflation mm-hmm. gag, would have been cute. Yeah. Um but he changes into his house coat. Mm-hmm. Um and then he, um, he's um, Sherlocking Dawson about being a doctor, recently mm-hmm. returned from Afghanistan, and the little, you know, and Olivia's trying to talk to tell her her problem, and he is not listening because he, you know, he just came home from a thing, and now he has to do a ballistics test on some pillows. Oh, I forgot to look up when ballistics tests became a thing, but I was very shocked to find his elaborate uh, detective ballistics testing in 1897. Mm-hmm. Um, although, to be fair, I was also surprised that balloons were so prominent, but they were invented in 1824, so... History Forensic Ballistics. This is so my jam. Please load faster. Thank you. Can you load faster, my perfect boy? <laughs> <laughs> um... First for case of forensic firearm examination to be documented was 1835. Ballistic fingerprinting to link a bullet recovered from the victim to the actual culprit. All right. So 60 plus years before Basil did it. Mm-hmm. Not that it matters because he's a mouse. Mm-hmm. 1860. Um, another example. Um, basically like using yeah. the wadding. Yeah. Blah, yeah. blah, blah. So all we... Yeah. The... Um, I mean, I don't know why I'm, I was hung up about it in the first place, because he's a mouse doing oh. a ballistics test. Here's the, here we go, here's the, here's the operative 
paragraph, I think. In 1902, still too, you know, too late, Oliver Wendell Holmes, who later became a justice of the U.S. Supreme Court, is said to have used a magnifying glass to examine a test bullet that he fired into cotton wool to compare its stri striations with those found on the bullet recovered from the victim during an autopsy. Oh, so wait, what were the early ballistics tests? Um, it was like, um, there was one that was basically like, the 1860 was using wadding, like testing the, the um, uh, like basically newspaper wadding back in the era before cartridges were in existence that was used to create a seal between the bullet and the gunpowder. The wadding that was found in the two-barreled muzzle-loading muzzle pistol recovered from the murder site matched the wadding found in the victim's wound. Oh, interesting. And then the 1835 case, um, he found that a bullet had a defect on its surface, which did not seem to be from the barrel or the as a result of an impact. It seemed more like a defect acquired during its manufacturing. Anticipating that the shooter would have made the bullet himself, he realized that recovering the bullet mold would easily help him confirm the shooter. Mm. He was thus able to find exactly zero, he was thus able to exactly zero in on the shooter when the mold found at the suspect's home matched the marks on the bullet. Wow. So this has been an episode of CSI Drawn Out. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I don't know why I'm so hung up on a mouse doing ballistic tests, but I am. I'm really hung up about a mouse doing ballistic tests. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and <a little> <laughs> five years too early for him to be carrying, be comparing bullets under a microscope. Mm -hmm. Anyway. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> oh. Have uh, fun editing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll figure it. I'll find a way. <laughs> uh, so once he's all depressed, we get to see about his bullets not matching up. Mm -hmm. We get to see him oh, be so dramatic. dramatic. I love it. Oh, uh, this is so good. I There are so many variations of Sherlock Holmes, mm -hmm. um, but all of them definitely lean into this like extreme depressive state. But I really love the way Basil does it. Like, one, he doesn't do drugs. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, like, nice and Disney-ified. Mm -hmm. But he also doesn't, like, take his temper out on the people around mm -hmm. him, as we see a lot of Sherlock's do. Mm -hmm. He just sort of, like, goes into himself and plays his sad music. On, and... a, on his fainting couch. <laughs> yeah. In his house coat and just looks so withdrawn and doesn't mm -hmm. want to talk to anybody mm -hmm. or deal with anybody. And then so Olivia's like, hey, now you have to listen to what my problem is. My dad's gone. Your, your mom knows where he is. I don't have a mom. Um, well, I I don't know how to help you, my dude. <laughs> and then she's like, well, he I didn't lose him. He was taken by a bat. He's like, wait, wait, what, what, what'd you say? What'd you say? What'd you say? What'd you say? <laughs> Did you just bring up my hyperfixation? <laughs> and then it he's like, I didn't see his wings, but he had a peg leg. And yeah, so uh, this is a serious, this is a terrible investigative moment. Uh, one of a few on the part of Basil. You don't lead your witness. You don't ask, oh, did he have an injured wing? That's leading the witness. You don't do that. You get faulty information that way. Basil, you should know better. Apparently the Disney writers did not. It's mm -hmm. fine. This has been part two of CSI <laughs> and Drawn Outcast. Uh, I watch too much crime shows. <laughs> anyway. Um... We get a very, very dramatic introduction of Radigan. Yeah, um, we go to, he's, I love that his hideout is in a keg. Yeah, I mean, we can't ignore the, uh, dramatic, like, we 
pan over mm-hmm. to Basil's um, fireplace mantle with the pins and the printed newspaper cutouts and the photographs and the shadow of Basil as he introduces this horrible character. And then we get to Radigan's lair. Um, and we actually see him with, with um, Flaversham first. We see Flaversham's working on some That's kind right. of big animatronic thing. And I know that's when I noticed that Flaversham's outfit is Milo Thatch. He's got a bow. Very much, yes. He's got a bow tie and the big round glasses. Yeah, he's that that this, the nerd. <laughs> um, except yeah. the dad energy. It's why he has a mustache. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The dad energy. You get a. Mm-hmm. You earn the mustache mm-hmm. by being a dad. Mm-hmm. Someday Milo Thatch will earn a mustache. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like Milo Thatch might not be the kind of guy who can grow, really grow much of a beard. Or He's got to have a kid first. He can't do it till he has a kid. You hear that, Kita? <laughs> <laughs> um, the I love Radigan's introduction, and actually, I will say he feels like a Renaissance villain. Mm-hmm. He's got the class, mm-hmm. the sass, mm-hmm. the panache. Like he has got all of mm-hmm. the Renaissance mm-hmm. villain. Things mm-hmm. going on, and he's like, "Oh, Flaversham, you know, like, you gotta be careful, or uh, don't make me angry, or I'll hurt your daughter." Yeah, um, and we get a very, very early glimpse at his madness. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like he did a much better descent into madness than Corolla Deville did, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, "Okay, I'm gonna go." Check on, you know, hang out with my henchmen in my fancy in the fancy part of my keg lair now. And it's all done up beautifully with drapes and a fountain. And... His lair is my favorite of all villain lairs. Oh, it's oh, so man. good. It's so good. I want it. <laughs> He's got the crown jewels in one mm-hmm. corner. He's got a champagne fountain in the other. Mm-hmm. His own throne room. Ugh. Mm-hmm. And then um, he's got, he's, you know, giving a pep talk to his henchmen, which is a bunch of other mice, plus Bill from Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, he's just randomly there. He's, he's like the r- only salamander. Yeah. But he's there. And then they burst into song, which is so good. Yeah. Hence the price singing a Disney villain song is so good. It's very good. Um, and um, I read that it was something that he had really wanted to do. Like, Vincent Price, like, his whole career, he's like, I want to do a voice in a Disney movie. Oh. And he was the voiceover of the Vincent Short, but that's not the same at all. No, not at all. Um, I do find Radigan a wonderful balance of funny and terrifying. Yes. Which is not something I think we've seen from Disney mm-hmm. villains before. You have your comical henchmen, mm-hmm. and then you have your dramatic mm-hmm. villain. But Radigan really toes that fine line mm-hmm. with both. And mm-hmm. so does, we already mentioned that, um, mm-hmm. what's his name? Cre- hmm... Not Creeper, because Creeper's Black Cauldron. Fidget. Mm -hmm. Fidget does this as well, Mm -hmm. but he's more comic than drama because he's the sidekick. Mm -hmm. But I... Yeah, Radigan just does such a... He's such a good Disney villain in so many ways. Um, And I love that we have a Disney villain song, Mm -hmm. even though we're missing a lot of the classic songs, Mm -hmm. but I want... Is this our first villain song other than Cuella DeVille? Yes. Well, and it's... First true villain song in that it's sung by the villain. Yeah, that's true too. Because um, I mean, we have like "Actor's Life," which isn't really a villain mm-hmm. song. As Stromboli doesn't have a song. No. So this is, as far as I can remember, this is our first mm-hmm. proper villain song. So while other parts of the film I don't feel fit Renaissance, Radigan certainly is a Renaissance mm-hmm. character. Yeah. 
um, which is really cool. I would, I would, I would buy another expansion to Villainous if they had Radigan. Ooh, that'd be pretty cool. Um, the we should talk about Radigan's character design. Yeah. Um, he was originally supposed to be like a skinny sewer rat. I would imagine probably more Mortimer Mouse looking. Yeah. Um, but once they cast Vincent Price, they were like. Vincent Price is a very tall man. Yeah. Um, so they beefed Radigan up, mm-hmm. quite literally. Um, mm-hmm. So he got taller, he got bulkier, mm-hmm. um, and it works so well. And I love his, like, middle part, like, fancy man hairdo. It's such a subtle way to give him that, like, control, mm-hmm. and then it's a thing that you take away when mm-hmm. he loses his temper. Mm-hmm. It's a really, really good animation choice. Mm-hmm. And they do it on a much subtler level with Basil, too. Yeah, they do. With his, like, I love his little flop. It's, like, so I cute. Know. Um, it's very, Basil feels like a traditional Disney protagonist in a mm-hmm. lot of ways. Um, I could see him being talked about similarly to uh, Robin Hood. Yeah, I think he's la- he lacks the um, that's the charismatic swagger. Yeah, like the he's charismatic the way all Sherlock's are charismatic, mm-hmm. right? We love getting mm-hmm. like swept up in those characters mm-hmm. who know way too much mm-hmm. and just have no problems but, spitting their knowledge. But they have no people skills. They have he is yeah what. And something that I want to talk about, too, with Basil, he has better people skills mm-hmm. than other adaptions of Sherlock Holmes that is really interesting. Like, he starts to get angry and then realizes that Watson mm-hmm. is, or, sorry, Dawson mm-hmm. is sad. And so he quickly stops and is, like, mm-hmm. walking the situation, like, carefully. Mm-hmm. Like, he yeah. has some people skills, but he doesn't have Robin Hood's people skills. That's true. Well, and maybe I made that conclusion because, like, maybe that's something I thought as a little kid, like, that I kind of liked his character design, like, if that character design was a person. Yeah, oh, for uh, but, sure. But also, also, um, I might have been reminded of that just now um, when I was doing the research and found out that Michael Palin of um, Monty Python was once considered to play the role, and I have written at least one Thirst tweet about about Michael Palin in 1969. Like, circa 1969, Michael Palin. You have a lot of thirst for times past. I do. (laughs) I do. (laughs) I could see live-action Basil being quite attractive. I mean, whatever your attraction level of Benedict Cumberbatch is, Mm. like, that can vary widely from human to human. Mm. Um, I think you're either one end of the spectrum or the other. No, I think he's more like a, like a Jude Law. Face. I was just gonna say, he could be more Jude Law or even Tom Hiddleston. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But he, he's definitely, like, that skinny British man, I, for sure, with yeah. the, like, long face. Mm-hmm. But the one who's old enough to not really be the white boy of the month candidate. Yeah, that's probably fair. Um... But he's got he's got cheekbones. We kn- like I don't know if Robin Hood has cheekbones. I know Basil of Baker Street has <laughs> cheekbones. Yeah. Which I guess is probably why I'm like drawn to Benedict Cumberbatch. Like oh no, this works really well because cheekbones for days. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Um, this is also what our third Disney film to portray drunkenness. Mm-hmm. Um, right, Pinocchio. Oh, Pinocchio and Dumbo mm-hmm. both portray drunkenness. Yeah. And then Pete's Dragon. Mm-hmm. And then Basil. Of and then... Or, no. not Basil. Basil does not get drunk. Woo! The henchmen are very drunk. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, and we we do see Basil smoke. Um, we do. And it, it's this one and 101 Dalmatians are the ones that show smoking. Uh, and Pinocchio. That's right, that's right. That's right, Pinocchio. that's right. Yeah, the gamble in Pinocchio, too. The horror. Mm-hmm. I'm shocked, shocked! <laughs> um... And I l- love the mood lighting and the Radigan song where so they have the good. bridge and it's like it goes all blue when he it's like oh Basil and we see that and we see the voodoo doll mm-hmm. and, <laughs> and it's nice that we get that mirroring drama between yeah. like everyone talks about like oh Moriarty and Sherlock are like the same person and we very clearly like Radigan and Basil are the same person mm-hmm. <laughs> they're self obsessed think that they're the smartest person in the room, enjoy the praise of others, mm-hmm. enjoy showing off, and can get incredibly dramatic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if they're not if they're not the same person, then it's wrong. Yeah, uh, excellent job, even though they're not humans. They're mm-hmm. mouse mice rats things. <laughs> Rodents. Rodents. That works. That makes me think there's gotta be, like, a, a hamster... Watson running around somewhere. Like, I know Watson's also a mouse, but, like, wouldn't Watson make such a good little hamster or gerbil? Yes. Be adorable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, oh, poor drunk Bartholomew, which some people think the naming of the little, the little drunk, um, henchman, naming him Bartholomew was a reference to Vincent Price's The pen, uh, the Pit, pit and the Pendulum. Where he was killing a character, trying to kill a character named Bar- uh, Bartolomo. Bartolomo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that would be a cool reference. Yeah. Either way, the mouse dies. Yeah, and I well, I really loved the this this take particular take on supervillain with a cat. Yeah. <laughs> Is to like it's a it's a rat who has a pet, giant pet cat for some reason. Yeah, it's never explained how it's never he acquired ex- her. Mm-hmm, but we know we do learn her name is Felicia. She is also so well introduced mm-hmm. because she's terrifying from the perspective of a mouse, mm-hmm. but from my perspective, she's really funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she's able to do something as mm-hmm. vicious as murder this poor mouse, mm-hmm. but, and it's scary and dramatic, mm-hmm. but it's also so funny because mm-hmm. it's a cat. Um, so I yeah. really, really like the way she is introduced in yeah. her and, like, Whoa. kind of the thump, 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 and yeah. then we're looking up at her. <laughs> She's big, fluffy Persian. Big, fluffy, fluffy. <laughs> and um, then they finish the song mm-hmm. after that. Um, what, what, got, what got Radigan mad at Bartholomew was that he drunkenly said that he was the world's greatest rat. Yes, and Which he's, Radigan doesn't not like a that. Rat. No, he's a, he's a big mouse. Which brings up some interesting questions. Ones we never see any other rat in the film at all. Mm-hmm. So we don't know what rats do or mm-hmm. where they live, but there seems to be this current in Radigan's character like he is pretending to be sane, mm-hmm. right? Like he's putting on this mm-hmm. front of civility mm-hmm. to participate in the mouse world. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like he's savage for being a rat. Like, I don't yeah. know if I'm reaching too like, much, no, but I don't think without you are. any other rats in the film, it does come off a little weird, and if you yeah. want to dig deeper, it does smell of, like, uh, oh, it's a little bit racist, mm-hmm. like... I mean, you could say, like, well, you know, maybe it's class thing, but no, we have plenty of low-class mice right, participating right. in this Mouse England. Yeah, and if it was a class thing, 
we would need to see, like, some low-class rats, and I would feel more sympathy for Rat again. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's very much like he's pretending to be something he's not, mm-hmm. and it has to do with, like, the root of it is that rat-mouse dichotomy. Uh-huh. Which, that's kind of unfortunate. I wish... I get yeah. why it's there. Yeah. But, man, I kind of wish it wasn't. By the way, pet rats, amazing. Pet mice, awful. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever had a... Well, I've never had a pet rat, but I don't know if I've ever... Seen a pet mouse. I think I've only seen. We've rats. had pet mice. Well, oh. rather we bought the we, we bought the I think we bought the the snake feeder mice and okay. kept them as pets. Oh okay. Still not great. Oh. Good to know. Mm-hmm. Uh, we return to Basil. And um, he's um in a little bit of a manic state right now, trying to gear up. Okay, here's what we're gonna do. Here's how we gotta find things. We're gonna go see my friend Toby. We're gonna go blow. Well, so uh. Fidget, why is his name so hard for me to remember? Fidget shows up to take Olivia. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, he gets a to-do list from Radigan, mm-hmm. which is gears, tools, girl, girl uniforms. uniforms. Um, so he goes to get the girl from Basil. I don't know how he knows that she's at Basil's, mm-hmm. but he manages to track her there. Yeah, and that's another one of the moments where it's like his face doesn't take up the whole thing, but there's a, you know, castle thunder and it flashes yeah. his silhouette in there. And Olivia's like, okay, great, I'm coming with you. And they fight about it, and um, he's playing his violin still, or Basil is, or he's putting the violin away, and um, he gets so frustrated with Olivia that he sits on his, like, he's talking to her, and then he sits on the violin. He gets very upset, and he says, you're not coming, and that is final. Next shot, there she is. Reluctant dad, it's so good. It's so good. Um, um, so they go upstairs to 221B. Mm-hmm, where they meet Toby. So, unlike Radigan, we don't know why he has a cat. We know exactly why Basil has a cat. Or, sorry, has a dog. Because it's Sherlock Holmes's dog. Yeah. Um, well, Toby is the name of a dog that Sherlock Holmes borrowed. Right. In... in one of the book, one of the books. I um actually I never understood that reference till we were watching it today, and I realized I'm like, oh yeah, Robert Downey Jr. uses Toby in the movies, mm-hmm. um, and that was the only thought, time I've seen Toby. I thought that dog was named Gladstone. Oh, is it Gladstone? I thought it was named Toby. No, it's the bull- I think you're right. The it's bulldog name- is Gladstone. Mm-hmm. Well, then I falsely connected Toby to Sherlock Holmes, mm-hmm. even though it does connect to Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. <laughs> And he's just this big old blood bloodhound that uh, Basil says, "Oh yeah, I trained him." <laughs> yeah, which I, I'm sure mm. Sherlock Holmes trained him, or Watson, or somebody mm-hmm. not you. Somebody not you. You're 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 a little dude, my dude. Yeah. Oh, and like he doesn't really listen to Basil, but he does listen to Olivia because she has crumpets in her pocket. Mm-hmm. In case you forgot, they were English mice. Mm-hmm. Um, so they take Toby to hunt down. Fidget. Because mm-hmm, he left his, um, he, le- he left his cap outside of 221. Mm-hmm. And so they track him to the toy shop. Mm-hmm. And this toy shop is really scary. I don't remember mm-hmm. being scared by the toy shop, but I probably was. I think, like, toys and clowns never scared me as a kid. Um, so watching this, I was kind of like, oh, this is supposed to be scary, but I'm not really mm-hmm. scared. And I don't remember being scared. Mm-hmm. Um... But there's definitely that horror element, Mm -hmm. like the Annabelle and it are coming for you Mm -hmm. sort of thing, um, as these tiny mice creep around. Mm -hmm. Um, And I liked, too, like, there's definitely a mystery unfolding for you as a viewer. Yeah, like, why is Fidget at the toy shop taking these 
uh, Beefeater uniforms off the off the toys. Yeah, and, like, what is Flaversham building? Like, mm-hmm. there's, like, you kind of have the clues as Basil gets the clues, mm-hmm. and it's really cool to try to, like, figure it out. Yeah, and then, I mean, I think... Well, before Radigan breaks into song, he says something about it's the Queen's Jubilee and tonight she'll never forget. Yeah. Um, so we know, like, we don't know what's going on, but we have enough clues to piece it together, which is kind of cool and interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I always like that in cram shows. Yeah. And um, so Basil and Dawson are trying to figure it out. Like, oh, what's with, why are these uniform? why are these dolls... Stripped of their uniforms. Yeah, well, Basil says he figures it out, figures it out the minute he reads the list, which yeah. means a little bit later. But the minute he reads the list, he's like, oh, obviously this is what it is. Yeah. Even though he doesn't even know mm-hmm. about the queen. Well, and Dawson's found the list, um, but he, Basil won't listen to him, saying, like, oh, he, but then there, suddenly everything in the toy store goes off. Right. Like, we see all these wind-up toys going, and then we see bubbles come up toward Olivia, Olivia follows the bubbles, and they're being blown by this Dumbo toy. But behind that, there's a baby carriage. There's also the um, clowns playing the Dumbo music. Oh, yeah, that's right. Well, that's right. I thought was mm-hmm. a cool little nod. Yeah. Um, but yeah. she goes to the baby carriage. And Fidget comes out. His face takes up the whole screen, and that is scary. That's the one that got you? <laughs> um, they both got me. Mm. Yeah. Like, I would... Or sometimes if, like, my brothers wanted to watch it, like, I would have them come and get me after the toy shop scene. Mm. Because I'm like, no, I know there are two. I could definitely see this scene being incredibly scary. Mm-hmm. Um, but, so, Fidget makes off with Olivia. Olivia. It's a very, very dramatic chase scene, and I really mm-hmm. liked every bit of it. Yeah, and um, Basil figures it out, and they climb up, like, this mountain of toys, and... Yeah, and you really think, like, you aren't sure if they're going to get Olivia or not. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of cool, because, like, whenever you watch a movie, you know the hero's going to win. Mm-hmm. But, like, this was a really nice midpoint where, mm-hmm. like, you don't know, like, they could rescue Olivia, they could not. Mm-hmm. And it's really, I really enjoyed the scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and Basil and Dawson trying to get to Olivia, mm-hmm. but failing at every turn. Yeah. And the toys that are involved mm-hmm, in each mm-hmm. one. It's very, very cool and creative and just an excellent, excellent work from an animation perspective and, like, entertainment. Um, yeah. And then this is our moment where, and then Basil's like, oh, Dawson, I shouldn't, I should have known better than to, and then Dawson's really upset. Like, not, like, oh, poor Olivia, I'm really ups- I'm really sorry that I, you know, I should have watched her better. And then Basil's like, oh okay, this is a people thing. <laughs> right, well, he seems to, for a moment, think that he has hurt um, Dawson by, like, insulting him, and yeah. that's why he stops. But, and then realizes, oh, that's not why he's upset. No, Dawson's upset because he he actually cares about the little girl. <laughs> right, right. Um, and so, like, Basil has to have a little moment of, like, oh, yeah, pe- people, okay, mm-hmm. how to be human. Mm-hmm. Well, how to be a mouse. Um, mm-hmm. But he... Puts on his pipe and tries to solve the mystery. Mm-hmm. And then they, like, oh, we've got the list. And then there's this convoluted chemistry scene um, to figure out, like, oh, what's the next clue based on this list? Mm-hmm. And he does the Sherlock thing where it's like, okay, well, the, the paper's from here, and then this is the kind of pen he used. Um, oh, look at that on the magnifying glass. The coal dust means this, and then... I love the convoluted chemistry scene where he, like, burns it, mm-hmm. powders it up, and puts it through this really complicated thing, and 
I that was one of those things. I like, oh yeah, I totally remember watching the bubbling liquid go through the yeah. Um, very like, Snow White. Yeah, yeah, very cool scene. I love I love Dom Rube Goldberg dramatic. Oh yeah, scenes so cool to me. Mm-hmm. Um, always has been. Um, all of that to tell him that there's sodium chloride on the paper, so it's near salt water. Yeah, so where would we get salt water and the coal dust of the sewer? And so we're gonna go here. The one place the sewer dumps into the water because there's only only one one place that where that happens in in all of Mastum in London. In all of London. Wow, amazing. (laughs) Yeah, my note just says. One sewer on the waterfront? Question mark. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and then so we're going to the CD bar. It's called the Rat Trap. Um, I saw the sign and then. Oh, I missed that. That's cool. Yeah, and then Basil and Dawson walk in with their disguises. Basil's looking like a sea captain, Clark Gable. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is this is a good look for Basil. Is that, a very, that I think this was the moment where I was like, okay, okay. He's got the Clark Gable thing, or, like, depending on, you could view the mustache as Clark Gable or Carrie Elwes in The Princess Bride. Ooh, yeah. Mm-hmm. See it. Um, but Dawson's like a cartoon pirate. <laughs> yeah, Dawson looks very silly. Mm-hmm. And so they sit down, and, um, you know, Baz is like, okay, Dawson, you gotta copy me. Don't be posh for, like, two seconds. <laughs> he cannot. <laughs> he cannot. He cannot not be posh. Mm-hmm. Um... But Basil's very in character mm-hmm. and again resumes his terrible questioning skills mm-hmm. um, and simply just like, hey, I'm looking for my old pal Rat again. Could you be more subtle? Mm-hmm. And then the barmaid um, is like, I, I don't know what you're talking about as a way to say I clearly know what you're yeah. talking about. Um, and I, I love the barmaid. She's a really cool character design. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the lady playing cards is mm-hmm. cool. They're just like... Yeah, the one who blows smoke in Dawson's face. Yeah. I, Love that. There's just some nice subtle touches. Mm-hmm. There are no real women other than Olivia, mm-hmm. so. And there's a um, we see a couple different acts of the variety show. There's a there's an octopus juggling. Feels like a cheater. Yeah, there's a um, there's like. There's another salamander. Yeah, thing. like yeah, balancing like a big old toad and on a unicycle and. People don't like that, and the um, the piano player is getting very concerned that he's gonna get cut. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all of a sudden, boom, 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 let me be good to you. Lovely song. I love this song. I wish she had a bigger role. I wish she was Irene Adler. That would have been fun. I couldn't, like, at, when she came out on stage, I was like, oh, is this the mouse Irene Adler I've been waiting mm-hmm. for? And then no. she never came back. She just and has one sad. song. It starts out, uh, Subtle, and then it goes. Uh, they don't show us like a full strip tease, but like, yeah, it's uh, yeah, very... it almost got cut for rating purposes, yeah, which obviously, yeah. And the song, um, it was originally going to be sung by Madonna, mm-hmm. and then when she fell through, they thought about Liza Minnelli. Who's Liza Minnelli? Um, she is the daughter of Judy Garland and Vincent oh. Minnelli. Um, her best-known movie is probably Cabaret, and her best-known television role is Lucille Ostero in Arrested Development. I see. I've never seen Arrested Development. Mm-hmm. But I um, trust you. Yeah. And eventually, they just said, hey, 
Melissa Manchester, who wrote this song, Why Don't You Sing It? And she did amazing. She did a great job. Um, And there was one little moment where she did kind of a Marilyn impression. Mm. Like the first, let me be good to you. Like, oh, that's so good. I can appreciate that now. Because it's very, it's a very, she's got a very full tone through the rest of it. But like that moment, I'm like, okay, yeah, you're doing a very specific thing there. Yeah, she did a great job. I actually was really reminded of, um... Five American Tale. Um, isn't there a cabaret-style scene in American Tale? I have no idea. Uh, I think maybe I've, there's only one in Five Will Goes West. Yeah, I think I've seen... I've never seen Five Will Goes West, and I've only seen American Tale once. Okay. I can't remember which one I've seen, but I do remember mixing this film up a lot with mm-hmm. whichever one I've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, which, American Tale came out the same year, mm-hmm. um, and was the big competitor for this mm-hmm. film. Um, which I think is kind of funny that, like two mouse films got released the same year mm-hmm. um but yeah i really enjoyed this little showgirl kind of scene mm-hmm. yeah and then eventually and so meanwhile basil can see that they're the, the barmaid whispers to the bartender and then something gets poured in their drinks yeah, basil's literally watching them pour something in the drinks and then he has to like taste it taste it like <gasps> it's been drugged, drugged. By which point you it's saw. too. At which point it's too late. Yeah. Dawson is sloshed. But he doesn't say stay drugged for very long. Yeah. I don't know. But it wears just, off quite just quickly. Just long I enough guess. to climb up onto the stage and start the bar fight, basically. <laughs> yeah. Um. And so they manage to track. F- while the bar fight is going on, they track mm-hmm. Fidget. Yeah. All the way to Rat again. Mm-hmm. Who um. Knew he was coming. Surprise! <laughs> um, planned for it the whole time, mm-hmm. as a good villain should. Mm-hmm. And, like, has a sign and confetti ready to go and yell, surprise! Because yeah. he's got to be a big old drama queen about yeah. it. Yeah, as if Basil would be any less dramatic. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and so... But Basil... Okay, so this is actually my probably least favorite thing. Basil doesn't fight. Like, it's kind of the minute he realizes, like, oh, I've been outsmarted, Mm -hmm. it's over. Yeah. Um, Which, I like, I guess that kind of, like, makes sense for a character like that, but I'm so used to our modern Sherlock Holmes, like Robert Downey Jr. Mm -hmm. and Johnny Lee Miller, who will fight to the bitter end. Mm -hmm. Like, at least physically fight. Yeah. And even when it comes down to physical fighting, we don't see Basil throw a single punch. Yeah. So that was really interesting and just kind of, like, struck me as odd how yeah. quickly he gave up in this scene. Yeah. Um, I guess it, it probably works for what they're trying to do. It was just, I was yeah. thrown because of what I'm used to. Yeah. And then, um, Radigan has designed a Rube Goldberg death trap. Mm-hmm. Um... And he's like, okay, I, I recorded you a whole so- farewell song, <laughs> and when the end of the record happens, it'll pull the cup, and the ball will roll down, and it'll set up. I couldn't decide whether to shoot you, or slice you in half, or get you with a mouse trap, or... I'm just gonna do it all. Yeah. Um, so this whole trap sequence is the inspiration for the elementary opening. Really? Yeah! I love that! Yeah! <laughs> Um, so that's always, like, I remember watching Elementary and going, like, this is, like, the Basil of Baker Street. Well, it's not called Basil of mm-hmm. Baker Street. It could have been, but it's not. <laughs> this is, like, the Great Mouse Detective. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's where that came from. Because mm-hmm. they did as much as they could to distance themselves from BBC Sherlock. Mm-hmm. So, 
they went by leaning on Great Mouse Detective, which I thought mm-hmm. was cool. Yep. And by, you know, making Sherlock actually a decent dude. <laughs> yeah, and by making Joan Watson Lucy Liu. Yes. Bless. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, God. God is a woman. <laughs> um, and then he's all upset and being so dramatic, Basil. He's not even, like, talking. He's just, like, lost in yeah. his own head. Mm-hmm. And so we cut over to Buckingham Palace, um, and we see the Queen, and so obviously that's Queen the, Victoria. Yeah, Queen Victoria. Um, and she's getting ready, and you know, you, you know that it's not technically Queen Victoria because she's in pink and not black. Yeah. Because she mourned Albert her entire life, the fifty. Yeah, like the 50 yeah. years that she outlived him. Yeah, I wonder if there's a character... Uh, no, never mind, these are American animators, they wouldn't have cared. They just went, oh, Queen Victoria, she's loosely modeled after her. Yeah. And they put her in pink because it's a jubilee. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's more dynamic and interesting for a character yeah, animation-wise. Yeah. Um, um, and then um, there's a box presented, because, you know, that's what the uniforms were for. Her guards are taken out and replaced. Mm-hmm. And then in comes the couple of them with Fidget in a giant box. And I like that bit where Fidget's like, yeah, you go, sweetheart. <laughs> and then she's like, have you been with the slong? <laughs> it was very, very funny. Um, and she opens the box and it's the animatronic queen. And I love, actually, I really loved the bit of um, the animatronic queen chasing the real queen around yeah. for a while. Yeah, that, that was, was funny. Yeah. And this is when we start to, like, realize what Radigan's plan is. Yeah. Um, and then we cut back to um, Basil, and he's like, um, and I think, like, he's being a big old baby, and Dawson's like, if you're gonna be a big old baby, why don't we just set the trap off yeah, now? he kind of, like, is trying to talk Basil mm-hmm. out of mm-hmm. his depression, for lack of a better word. Yeah. Um, depressive state. I don't know. Um... Get him out of his head. I get him out of his head, mm-hmm. yeah. And um, goes sort of like trying and trying and trying mm-hmm. and like threatens to give up and Basil's like, of Wait. Yes. yes. And he we get to see a little bit of his madness, like yeah. his eyes turn green. Yeah. Um, and then they are able to find a way to make the Rube Goldberg death trap actually free them. Yeah, so they the ball that's supposed to set off the mouse mm-hmm. trap, they actually trigger the mouse trap. So it catches the ball, um, which I guess then loosens a hinge on the Mm mousetrap that fires off the mousetrap and sets the gun off, which sets the crossbow off, which, like, it set everything off one at a time instead of all at once, Mm -hmm. Um, and then they have time to smile for the camera. Mm -hmm. It's all said and done. Which I love. And, 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 Basil rips off his sea captain Clark Gable disguise. He had his... Other outfit on the entire time. He's a drama. The drama. <laughs> and this is where I realize I'm like, Basil is a hundred percent my favorite hero trope. Like mm-hmm. I love the moment when characters are just absolutely defeated, no hope, and mm-hmm. then like out of nowhere they like snap their fingers and suddenly have saved the day. And like, it only works if they're not pretending to be sad, mm-hmm. right? Which is why like, I really like what they did with Basil, where he, like, mm-hmm. legitimately is like, ah, darn, I've been outwitted and this is awful and I don't mm-hmm. know how to handle it. Mm-hmm. And then this manages to come up with a solution mm-hmm. thanks to Watson. Uh, Dawson. 
Take a shot every time I've done that. <laughs> Please cut that. We don't drink on this show. Um, so um, I really, I just love that. Yeah. It makes me so happy. Yeah. And then it cut, we cut back to the Royal Jubilee and we get to see um, people are going into the Human Queen's um, Jubilee and then we get to see and the mice going into the Mouse Queen's Jubilee. Yeah, so I guess, like, the Mouse World is, like, just an alternate reality it, I think it, world. Well, I was going to say, like, if they run parallel that much, you have a Sherlock and Watson living in the same space as a, as a Basil and Dawson, but you also have two Queens Victoria celebrating their Jubilee at the same time. Right, see, that's what's, like, I could get, like, okay, so you have a detective mouse lives in the ho- home of a human detective. I'm on board. Sure. If your queens are running the same, like, length of reign, does that mean that, like, all of Mouse history has run parallel to like, get did, to this point? Did Mouse Prince Albert die at the same time as human Prince Albert? Yeah. Like, is there a way that we're ever going to be able to save Mouse Mouse John Kennedy? Like, <laughs> just... <laughs> Did Mouse Abraham Lincoln get shot 30 years earlier? I, that's, that's a good question. I need to know these things. I guess we'll have to watch American Tale. Mm-hmm. American Tale will tell us if Mouse Abraham Lincoln got shot. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what time American Tale takes place. I just know it's old. Older times. Um, Ye olden times. I think it's, I actually, I think it's around the same time because you've got, you've got Mouse Russian Jews fleeing pogroms. Oh, okay. So. So, like, 1880s to 1910s, basically. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we got the animatronic queen going out there and saying, you know, she gives a speech and then she's like, I've got a new royal consort, Radigan, and Radigan comes out in full. Um, royal attire. He even has the ermine robe around his tail. Yeah, it was cute. Which I thought was fun. And that should have been everyone's first clue. You cannot... You... You cannot replace Prince Albert. She would never. (laughs) She... Never did. Never. Well, and I think that uh, none of the mice seem to believe what's happening. Yeah. I love obviously. the gag of the little kid who just sticks his tongue out like, at Like, the raspberry. And I love that, like, everybody hates Rat... Like, everyone knows Radigan's a villain. I don't know why he's not been arrested, mm-hmm. like, for his crimes, I guess. Like, Basil's agonizing over, I have to prove that Radigan did it. But, like, everyone hates Radigan anyway, mm-hmm. so, like, I don't know if it's a... I don't know. I don't know what you're missing mm-hmm. out on, I guess. Um, yeah. So everyone is very, very shocked and surprised by this. Yeah. And he's like, well, as the new consort, here are some things I want to have changed in the law. And the one that we see is a heavy tax on parasites and sponges. And I such was like, as, yeah, tax the billionaires. And he's <laughs> the elderly, the infirm, and the little children. And I was like, Which, oh, not the billionaires. No, no. Um... No, he's, he's, uh, Radigan would vote for Brexit. Yeah, I definitely, but I legitimately had a solid brain thought, like, full thought of, like, oh, taxing the sponges. Yeah, yeah, I'm behind this. Tax the people soaking up. Why are we rooting for Basil? And then he continued talking, and I was like, darn. Mm -hmm. I was really excited about a socialist villain. No. (laughs) Nope. Nope. Um... Yeah, so, of course, in the middle of his grand spiel, mm-hmm. the queen begins to call him 
rude things, mm-hmm. ending with a rat. Mm-hmm. And, well, and that's when we could see Basil's controlling it. They've gotten... Oh, yeah, by the way, they also saved the queen from yeah, Felicia. Oh, yeah. yeah, they saved the queen from Felicia, and Toby chased the cat off into a pack of royal guard dogs. Mm-hmm. Go, Toby. Go, Toby. Um, there's a scuffle, and Radigan gets away with Olivia... On his flying machine. Yeah, it's this really cool flying machine that Fidget has to pedal, poor thing. Yeah. Um, so Basil quickly gets together his own flying machine. Yeah, using... To go save Olivia. Using balloons. A matchbox and an English flag. Yep. Excellent work. Yep. <laughs> um, they chase uh, Rowdy all the way to Big Ben, mm-hmm. um, which this is the scene that terrified me as a mm-hmm. kid. Um, and this is the scene that's drawn with CGI. Mm-hmm. It's a very, like, watching the scene, it was really cool. Yeah, it is very good. Uh, just, like, animation bones tingling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but again, like, this is... The other thing where I was like, Basil never throws a punch. Yeah. He gets knocked around by Radigan yeah. um, the entire fight, mm-hmm. manages to rescue Olivia, but he never once fights back. Which is a bummer. Yeah, and it was just, it was an interesting, I guess, take on Basil. Yeah. I don't know. Um, or a take on Sherlock, I should say. Mm-hmm. But, um, although originally this whole scene was supposed to be inside the clock tower, mm-hmm. um, and Radigan was going to fall to his death in mm-hmm. the clock tower. And there's one animator who was like, can we bring it out let's break the glass and take it out and get that cool silhouette and they were like yeah great idea i wish i'd written his name down mm-hmm. um but props to you yeah excellent choice mm-hmm. um and we see our hero mm-hmm. almost completely defeated yeah and they're they're radigan um and, and his Basil. full transformation into a rat yeah like we see like his clothes kind of get ripped off his hair gets more and more messed up and he starts to run on all fours yeah because mice walk on two legs, I guess, and rats don't, which is weird. <laughs> um, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, and then they're able to get Olivia to safety, but Radigan and Basil are hanging over on the, on the hand of the clock, clock tower, and then, boom, the thing goes off and they fall. Oh, no! They both fall to they their death. They both fall to their death. Which... I wondered if you were, like, I know they're based on the books, I'm not just Sherlock Holmes, but I wondered if you were watching this and you had any real familiarity with Sherlock Holmes, you're like, oh, yeah, Basil died, like, that's, that's the mouse version of Reichenbach Falls. Um, this movie was on Netflix when I was in college, in the middle of my Sherlock phase. Mm. In the middle of my BBC Sherlock phase. Like, I think I, if we dig through my Facebook, don't dig through my Facebook, um, you can find something like a post from... 2012 or 2013 saying something along the lines of oh I'm rediscovering Great Mouse Detective one of my favorite movies as a little as a toddler I was always meant to be a Sherlockian (laughs) (laughs) um there I remember watching Reichenbach Falls in 2013 when it premiered um (laughs) and like being struck with like that's some intense emotion I really enjoyed it Mm -hmm. didn't enjoy the subsequent storylines but Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but when I was watching it, like, you know, again on Netflix mm-hmm. in college, I was like, okay, yeah, here we go. But I yeah. also knew that he wasn't really going to be dead. So. I mean, it was a Disney movie. Well, not just because it was a Disney movie, but because I was like, because I, cause I knew that there was another season of Sherlock coming, and I knew the history, like, that after Queen Victoria said, hey, 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 Conan Doyle, <laughs> hey, 
I know you hate this dude. I don't care if you hate this dude. Bring him back. <laughs> Do you, are, are you caught up on elementary? No. Have you seen any of the new season? Um, no. I think I... I have finished season two. They have introduced a character in this last season named Reichenbach. And we all know it's the final season of Sherlock. Oh, man. Or of Elementary. Oh, man. And, oh, man. yeah, I'm having a lot of emotions every time that an episode comes out. I'm like, oh, no, I don't want to know what's going to happen. Um, yeah. But who knows. Anyway, Basil doesn't die. He saves himself. Yep, he, he managed to get the bit of the airship that has the propeller and the yeah. cycle. And so they're all safe. And um, this is when, and so we're all saying goodbye to the Flavershams, and he still can't say their name right. Nope. Um, and, but they've stopped correcting him, and he has his big time, like, reluctant dad moment. It's very cute. Mm -hmm. Um, and then he invites Watson to stay, and mm -hmm. assist him. Mm -hmm. Um, well, he doesn't really invite so much as decide. Yeah, uh, yeah, because Watson, Dawson's about to leave. Gosh. <laughs> Dawson. <laughs> Dawson's about to leave, and and then somebody comes in with a new case, and he's like, yes, I am Basil Baker Street, and this is my assistant, Dr. David Dawson. <laughs> That's very sweet. And I'm surprised that this movie doesn't have a sequel. Mm -hmm. This, like, it saved the studio in the mm -hmm. 80s. It has so much potential. Like, yeah. there are five books mm -hmm. in the series itself, plus you could adapt whatever Sherlock Holmes stories you wanted. Yeah. I'm very, very surprised there is no sequel to The Great Mouse Detective. Like, has it done as great as every Disney film? No. Mm -hmm. Did it do as well as Bluth's films of the time? No. Mm -hmm. But it competed very well, and mm -hmm. I'm really surprised they didn't stick with this. Yeah. But... I mean, they might have still been, been a few years away from even deciding if they wanted to do sequels at all. But it's not that Disney was ever opposed to sequels. That's they were always talking about sequels. Like, Snow White was supposed to have a sequel for a long time. Okay. Um, like, Walt wanted to write more of Snow White. That was something that floated around for mm -hmm. many years. Um, the Rescuers was supposed to be a sequel to 101 Dalmatians. Mm. Um, so it's not... Like, we've talked about that. It's not like it's a new idea, and we're not far away from Disney's first sequel, either. Mm -hmm. I'm just really surprised it wasn't Great Mouse Detective. Yeah. This has a... It's right there. It is right there. But it's good. Hey, now that we've got the couch trailer, give me that live-action Great Mouse Detective. Could you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> okay! Okay! Okay, see, here's the problem. You brought up the cat's trailer. I have been so far the wrap down the rabbit hole of the cat's trailer that YouTube is suggesting videos from cats to me. Nice. Nice. <laughs> which, Excellent work. Good which, research skills. Anyway, um... We don't have to spend a lot of time talking about cats, but I just want you guys to imagine Basil Baker Street in the style of the new Cats the Musical. I hate that so much. <laughs> <laughs> but I'd still see it open day, as I'm probably going to do with Cats, which is a which is a musical that has lasted solely the entire weight of that ins whole insanity of it has rested on the song Memory. But I've never seen Cats. Neither have I. I but I but I know I know the basic non-story, and I know the song Memory because it's an amazing song. I know it's based off of a T.S. Eliot poem. T.S. Poem Anthology. Yeah, I've read the 
part of the poem? Doing research for Harry Potter. Mm. But I've never actually listened to any of Cats. Memory is a good song. And I'm really excited to have Jennifer Hudson singing it. Like, that's gonna, that might be the only good thing to come out of it, and it will still have been worth it. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, I, ja- I guess we'll find out if James Corden can do wrong. I don't like the way James Corden looks. Someone pointed out to me a bit back that Jimmy is just short for James. So you have Jimmy Fallon and Jimmy Kimmel and Jimmy Corden. And now he's just Jimmy Corden. He's Jimmy Corden in the brain. He's always going to be Jimmy Corden. I can't undo it. See, you're going to have to tell this story when your cast is Eric and go on his show. Yeah, I guess so. I'm just going to call him Jimmy the whole time and he's going to hate it. And then I'll like feel bad because I'm very big on names being important to you and your mm. choice of name. Mm-hmm. But I'm just going to have to tell him, like, I know you're James, and I'm going to call you James, but in my heart, in my brain, I'm going to say Jimmy. Mm-hmm. Um, on that note, <laughs> on the note of Jimmy Corden, let me say it one more time, Jimmy Corden. <laughs> so next week we're going to have a mini so. I don't know what we're gonna watch yet, but we'll figure it we'll out. Figure it out. We always do. We always do. Um, and um, in the meantime, you can email us at drawnoutcast at gmail.com. You can talk to us on Twitter at drawnoutcast. You can you can talk to us on Facebook. Join the group Drawnout Chats. Um, and we are on Instagram at drawnoutcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's it. Yeah, that's it. We gotta talk about something. Like, how can we have a drawn-out closing if we don't talk about something? Let's talk about cats some more. Oh, I don't know what more I have to say. I mean, other than to embarrass myself and say for the most part it doesn't bother me. Like, does that fit into, like, calling me out as a furry? Fine. I get it. We can keep hammering that, but I mean, I guess for the most part, it didn't bother me. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if it's, like, the furry aspect of it so much as just the way they did the faces as much it doesn't bother me okay i really like the sizing kind of bothers me mm-hmm. like the ratio because they're mm-hmm. moving like people mm-hmm. but everything is big and mm-hmm. it's an awkward bit yeah and they're also um, like really small cats yeah yeah um mm-hmm. but i did not like jimmy corden's thing mm-hmm. going on mm-hmm. um but other than that, i wasn't really bothered I'm actually, you know what? If 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 it also if, if it also gives us something where Idris Elba is singing, I'm not gonna complain about that. He either. is not playing a cat who sings. He is playing the villainous cat who does not have a song. Oh. So that's kind of disappointing. That honestly, is, that's a bummer. That's um, a bummer. Yeah. So we're gonna have to work harder to get something where Idris Elba sings. I mean, King Triton. I don't know. But Terry Crews. Terry Crews. Well, but actually. No, actually, here's the really important question. Can Idris Elba sing? That's what I should have been asking in the first place. That's a good question. He's had formal actor training. Like, he's... Yeah. I'm sure he's had some vocal training. Mm -hmm. Can Terry Crews sing? I'm sure. I'm sure Terry Crews can do Terry Crews can do anything. Terry Crews went to... He went to college on art and football scholarships. Yeah. He's... He's a true renaissance man. He is. 
podcast is in no way affiliated with the Disney Corporation or any of its subsidiaries. The views expressed in this podcast by its hosts and its guests belong solely to those people and are not in any way representative of Disney nor any of our employers. Thanks for listening.